0: a sore throat it's not sore it's just croaky and i don't know why probably from all the talking that i've done but um i just um have a few things to share with you this afternoon and one was yeah we went to the conference and um it was really amazing it was on mm-hmm. wednesday afternoon Thursday, and friday but while i was there um pastor trevor who's the pastor in aranda mm-hmm. asked me what i do welcome to country and I thought that was the real privilege to get up there because I am a Yirajiri person from Narrandera and um, I was able to welcome people. But there is an understanding that if you don't come from this country, you can do an acknowledgement, but you don't do a welcome. So I was able to do a welcome and um, <coughs> share about um, my grandfather who had come to Narrandera uh, years ago. He actually came out from America, uh, from England. He was a missionary. And, um, He met my grandmother and she fell pregnant with my father. But they weren't together. He um, went on. His name was Naden. But he left my father with a a fellow by the name of Christian. I think I shared this with people before. Mm -hmm. But when I did the respect, I I honoured my grandfather and I respect my grandfather and the elders that had gone past. But before I'd done this, Trevor came over. I was going because I'm doing the um, CIT training, the through the church, I don't know if that's the right person. But anyway, I'm doing the training and Graham and I started, and we went down there and we had a we- a wonderful week of just an intensive week of, of, of the Word of God. And there was a fellow there by the name of Mark and he did the history of the um, church in Australia. And I started talking to him about the Aboriginal people. And I said to him, you know, I just finished a course over at um, Wagga, doing Aboriginal language, I said, and um, I just want to see what you think about the Aboriginal people and what happened out here. And he said, well, you know, he said, the, uh, p- the, the people that came from England, they were really, um, came out with good intentions. They wanted to share the spirit of God with the Aboriginal people and the gospel, and they did, as much as they didn't particularly accept the Aboriginal culture. And um, I said to him, there's a lot of people in this course I was doing that came up with, and there is a lot of Aboriginal people that say it, and there are a lot of people that say that Christianity and the church and missionaries absolutely did a lot of damage to Aboriginal people. And one person got up and said it to in the class, and I got up and I said to her, and I said to the class, I said, I can hear what you're saying about the churches and about the missionaries. I said, but don't confuse the two. Don't confuse Christianity and religion. I said, because religion has done a lot of damage to Aboriginal people, but not the Lord. The Lord still loves his people, no matter who they are, what race they come from. It isn't Jesus that ruined the Aboriginal culture. And I was talking to Trevor about this and... it. Uh, he came up with me doing the, the the Welcome to Country, and I believe it's a real um, move toward closing of the gap with Aboriginal people, because I still believe that we as a church need to embrace everybody, it doesn't matter who mm-hmm. they are, but we still need to get an understanding of the culture, and the Lord was saying to me, it doesn't matter if... Um, <clears throat> you still hold on to some of that culture. A lot of the people in the churches thought it was evil. The didgeridoo was evil. All this was evil. And that's why a lot of Aboriginal people have felt this really conflict with the church. But they get confused with the love of God and, and, and the actual church. But um, while we were there at um, church the other day, a, a Jill, Pastor Jill from um, Orange, she gave a um, prophecy And the prophecy was, and I don't know whoever was there if you remembered it, and she said, the Lord come with a sword to separate. And I wrote that down and it really touched my heart in what she said. And this lady after church came up to me and she said, did you write that down? Do you know what she was talking about? And I said to her, look, I didn't write it down. I said, but I know what it meant to me. I said, I know by my experience of life what this has meant to me and, and I said to her but it depends what sort of gaze you're looking at this particular um, prophecy I said you know and it depends what sort of um lens you're looking at I said I was talking to her about something I saw on Facebook one day and this lady got up to have a cup of coffee and she was looking through her window and she could see the washing on the line she said to her husband Dear me, those sheets and towels are filthy. Why would anyone want to put dirty clothes on the line like that? And every day she'd get up and she said, I'm sick of it. So anyway, a couple of days later, the window cleaner came and cleaned all the windows. So up she got and had coffee. She said, wow, look at that washing. It's white. It's clean. She was looking through a dirty window. And it was the way this, when I was talking to this lady, I said to her, you know what? i really believe what jill was saying to me here in this prophecy that the lord had come to separate and i thought i really understood as a child i was growing up on a reserve and i was growing up in two worlds i was walking in two worlds Mm. the culture of the aboriginal people and trying to live in a white world and that's the way aboriginal people were. and i said god came you know, to separate the natural from the spiritual. And he's saying, you know, I want you to come out from among them and I want you to be separate and I want you to live for me. And there's a scripture, Graham and uh, Angel and I, this is my daughter down the front who's had a wonderful time at conference. Mm. There was um, a scripture we've been reading together in Colossians 3 and and it's... um, I'll find it, I promise you. Colossians 3 and it goes since then you've been raised with Christ set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God set your minds on things above not on things of earth I was saying to this lady I said the Lord spoken to me and give me a revelation through this scripture set your mind on things that are above is God saying to me look at the clouds above the clouds It's, it's out of this earth it's up there I said, no, but God said to me, this is my revelation about this scripture was, I want you to set your heart on another dimension. Mm. You know, you are a spiritual person and you are an alien in this country. We as Christians are foreigners in this country. Mm. We are of the spirit of God. We belong to Christ and once we come to Christ, We start to see things from another dimension. We can look at things from another lens and we can see things differently. And that's the way God wants us as Christians. He wants us to be able to come into his presence where he is, not in the natural, not what we can see outside, but in the natural. And this scripture was real to me. And I really praise God that every day that I start, to, to look at the scripture, he starts to come into a, um, a new revelation of his word. I want to share a few things with you from Psalm. And I know everyone knows this scripture, but I'm going to try and sing a little song. My throat's sore, I don't normally sing. Sometimes I sing with my husband, but this little song, I just want to sing it. And uh, don't laugh. <laughs> wasted years, wasted years. Oh, how foolish when we walk on in darkness and fear. Turn around, turn around. God is calling. He's calling you from a life of wasted years. And I, re- I really believe that all of us and even me, there are times that we've wasted time. Mm-hmm. I just want to have a look at this scripture here. The Lord is my shepherd. And I know that he's my shepherd. And if you have given your life to the Lord, he is your shepherd. The Bible says in... Um, John 1.12, to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. So if we've received Jesus, if we've come, we said, Jesus, come into my heart and you've received him, he's become our shepherd and he's a good shepherd. John 10, mm-hmm. is it John 10 or John 9, 10, John 10, 10, says I am the good shepherd that gives his life for the sheep and he is the good shepherd and Jesus meets all our needs no matter whether it's health and and the shepherd looks after his sheep for their well-being he makes sure that they're getting food He makes sure they're getting drink and that's what God does for us doesn't he as the shepherd mm-hmm. he just leads us and he guides us and he brings us into a place that we really need to be when we come to him and when we trust him and the sheep are very dependent on the shepherd aren't they mm-hmm. and we as Christians You know, we need to really come into that place where we depend on Christ. And I don't think there's anything worse than independence where Christ is. I can do it myself. I know what I'm doing. Don't worry. You know, but I think we need to be able to depend on him. Even for me to stand up here today, I need to depend on Christ. I need your Holy Spirit. I need your anointing to do this, Lord. I need you to open up my heart and say the things that you want me to say. Not what I want, but what you want, Lord. I want to depend on the Holy Spirit and those songs in there, which is lovely, about the Spirit of God. And um, while I was at, um, <coughs> um, yeah, and of course there was, I shall not be in want, I, I won't lack anything. There's nothing I can lack when Jesus is there because he can do the impossible. He can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And as Annette said, <coughs> if there's anybody, has anything, it doesn't matter what it is, Jesus is here to meet your need and he can meet any one of them. I'm not just saying that, I know that he can. But he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. While I was at college, we um, went through some of this and I came home and I was reading one of our things on our lectures. And um, it was, be still and know that I am God. And in Psalm 46.10 it says, be still and know that I am God. God, Mm. you know what, I find this hard. I want to be still and I want to sit before you and I want to hear your voice and I want to know what you're saying, Lord. And I don't want anything to disrupt me. So on this video, on this reading that I was doing, it says, you know what you need to do? You need to get an empty box and you need to put it at the door and you need to throw everything in the box. Throw your phone in there. Mm-hmm. Throw your husband in there. <laughs> <laughs> throw your cat in there. Throw your kids in there. Whatever is distracting you from being still with God and listening to his voice, throw it in the box. Yeah, I'll throw me in the box. And if well if you distract me, I'll put you in the box. <laughs> <laughs> only joking. No, but I'm just saying, you know, just to be still and to hear God's voice, you don't want anything clouding your mind. You don't want anything clouding you. You need to sit and you need to be still. And as I said, it's hard, isn't it, when you've got everything going on around you and then a knock will come on the door and, you know, the cattle will want to jump up, your, up on your lap and there's all sorts of things. But, God, I need to prepare myself. I need to make sure I've been to the toilet and make sure that I've had a drink. All these things so I can just spend time with you. And I just want to be still before you, Lord, and I just want to give myself to you. And while I'm there, Lord, I want to surrender all to you, Lord. I want to surrender so I can hear your voice. I really need to hear your voice. But if all these things are around me, I can't. And I want to surrender my mind to you, my heart to you, my thoughts, my every um functioning part of my body organs i give it all over to you lord and you know i need to practice this to be able and even if i can do it for 10 minutes lord it's hard even three minutes is hard but just to be able to be still and god's made provision for us be still and know that i am god and you know he leads me beside the quiet he will lead you toward those waters where it's quiet And then you'll get all immersed in the spirit and that's when we can come into that dimension that I was talking about with God, with his spirit and just forget about everything else and that's when the Lord can start talking and I really believe that's when the Lord starts talking. Then he goes on to say, he restores my soul and there's a scripture over in Joel and I'll go there um, if I can quickly do it. Um, Joel, um, you may have read it three. Two, chapter 2 it is. I'm sorry, I, I did put a mark in there, but I just can't find it at the moment. But he talks about the rest of, he talks about restoring our soul. He talks about giving back to us what the, the, the locusts uh, had eaten. And uh, here it is, chapter two, he says. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, just and I thought I'd mark that out. No, chapter 2. Oh, sorry. I know it's there. It's in chapter 2, but he talks... Oh, there it is. And I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, mm-hmm. the great locust and the young locust, the other locusts in the Locut swamp. My great army that I sent among you, you will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God. And, you know, that scripture, he restores my soul. Jesus is in the restoring business. Mm. He really is. And that scripture even that our sister was sharing this morning about the seasons, you know, there's a time a time to be born and a time to die. There's a time for everything. Even Alison was sharing there. It's just beautiful. And we look at David and the restoration the Lord did in his life. He sinned against God, but he was a man after God's own heart. But he sinned. You know, but God sort of um, brought him back to where he should have been. After all he went through, he said, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. And he brought him into a place of restoration. And I just want to share with you that Graham and I, we've gone through quite a bit. My husband is not here today. But when I was young, I said I grew up on the reserve and my mum... (coughs) was very strict with us because she was frightened all the time that the welfare would take us away. So we would go to church on the sand hills and she would always (coughs) buy us a new dress just for church and the show and we would sit on the step and she would say, don't move, not until she didn't want us to spill drinks or anything on our dress. And, you know, we would sit there. And the Bible says honour your mother and your father and you will live long on earth. Mm-hmm. And I was a good girl. I really believe I did a lot of things wrong, but we honoured my mum and my dad. And I'd never had a fight with my mum. I never had a disagreement with my mum all my life. Some things I didn't agree with what she did, but I never, ever fought with her. I never said anything. But she sent us to church and she'd wrap a penny up in a, in a hanky and we'd take it up to the church and we'd put it in a plate. There are other kids that used to bring their penny in, the, in a hanky and they used to put it in their pocket and go down and spend it at the shop after church. And I, we never did. We did what mum... And I really believe. But these people that did that, they're dead now. They're dead and gone. They died in their 50s. And I'm not saying they died because they didn't put their penny in the plate. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, honour your father and your mother mm. and you live long in the earth. And even if your children... You know, let's bring them up in the ways of the Lord and discipline them and, and show them the ways of God all the time and i will not depart from it. That's the way. And and we went to church there and um, after a while we moved, moved from there and we moved to Sydney when I was older. And uh, my dad, who was an alcoholic, and mum had eleven children. She'd lost two, and she had the nine children. And my dad was, my mum was on the verge of a nervous breakdown, and she went down. uh, Dad went up the street, and he heard the um, Foursquare Church um, in the open air. Uh, preaching the gospel and he went over and he talked to them and he gave his life to the Lord there at the open air and the pastor come home to where my mum was and he prayed for her and she was healed and we started to go to the church there at, at um, Newtown at the Four Square Church and we got involved there at the church and we used to go to youth and I started going with Graham I mean only sixteen nearly seventeen so I've been with him all my life just about but we used to go to the prayer meetings on Tuesday and Thursday night and then he um we, the, it was boring I'll tell you it was boring it was to me because the part the, young, the man there he'd, pre, he'd pray for an hour and a half oh. and we would sit there so man Graham used to go down the cafe and get a milkshake and have it come back and he still pray but we sat under that year in and year out you know in that and um, God was still with me I know that and when I was about 17 I started doing a Bible college course there and while we were at the church um, well, I was at the Bible college they came up and said look anyone that's interested in going to New Guinea uh, you it, it's coming up and if you're interested you can go so I was really interested and I was excited and I went home and I, I come up with a scripture God had given me an axe and it was in it was Paul and um, I'll we'll just see if I can find it now I can find the scriptures it's about 26 I think and This scripture came to me, and I know it was a revelation to the spirit of my heart. And he said, now get up and stand upon your feet. I have appeared to you to make you a servant and a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. And I will rescue from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to open the eyes of the blind and turn them from the darkness to light and from the power of Satan and um, God so that to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are, are um, sanctified by faith in me. And I took that scripture and I went home and I even shared it with my pastor. God has spoken to me. He wants me to go to New Guinea. He wants me to share the gospel. And uh, I went home and I was talking to mum, she was in bed, and I went to her bedroom and on the table she had some precious promises and I took one of the precious promises out and it said, I will supply all your needs according to my riches in glory. Oh, how excited I was. My friends were going and here I was ready to go. But when the time came, I didn't have the money to go and I didn't go. How disappointed I was. It was just such a disappointment to me. And I just left it, Graham and I got married and... um, we we um, moved away from there and then I um, I fell pregnant actually after I was married and I was six months pregnant and um, I remember I was um, I went to sleep and I had this dream and I dreamt that I was in this kitchen with this um, lady, um, her name was Eva and me and her were sitting there and um, an angel came down in this dream and he said come on Nita we're going home to heaven and I said oh that's great and the lady looked at me she said I'm coming I said you can't come with me you don't know Jesus you can't come with me and she was quite disappointed and I woke up and I thought about this lady and as I said I was six months pregnant and I walked a couple of kilometers to her house and she was up in the upstairs bedroom and she was sick and I went up there and I started sharing with her about um the gospel and I said I had this dream and I want to share with you that you can give your life to the Lord no matter what happens. If you die tonight, you will go to be with the Lord. So she gave her life to the Lord and committed her life and I prayed and I went away and then I heard three days later she died. So the Lord just laid this on my heart and I thought... You know, I know, God, you're still with me. I know you're still speaking. And I, I still prayed. I still read the Bible. I still do all those sorts of things. And even when I was pregnant, I remember anyone that's been through childbirth, you just want to die. And I'm laying there in bed with this dreadful pain. And the lady in the bed next to me, she was chugging the locker everywhere. It's not allowed to say chug and throwing jugs everywhere and I, I was scared she was going to hit me with the jug and I just <laughs> laid there and I just thought to myself I was in agony and I just laid there and I said God you know what if you slay me i still trust you and I really knew then that I had the the the, the um spirit of God in me and that God was still speaking to me he was still laying his spirit was still on me and I just know I had Mark after six hours but and it was a miracle it was a big baby but anyway the Lord looked after me but Graham and I would moved to Newcastle we went up there and we while we were there we started going to a, a church Assemblies of God church and we were always involved in the church but Graham had to go away to work he was a linesman and he went away to work and he used to go away often and then I started dreaming again And I dreamt I lived in this two-story house and I used to come down from the top story to the bottom story and I'd lay in my coffin. And I was very disturbed about this and I did this for a whole week, this dream of laying in my coffin and I came to the Lord. Every day of my life I came to the Lord while Graham was away. God, am I going to die? Am I going to die? What are you saying to me? And then another scripture he gave me there in Jeremiah. I will preserve you and keep you safe because you trust in me. And I knew no matter what was going to happen, that God was going to keep me. God was still speaking to me. And, you know, a couple of days later, I got really um, sick and under my tongue, I could not. You know how when you suck a lemon and and all the saliva comes up, it was blocked. And I couldn't, do, I went to the doctor and the doctor said, um, go home and suck a lemon. So this is what I did and he uh, gave me analgesics, which I'm allergic to and I vomited and I was sick and my throat started to swell up and I said, oh Graeme, take me home to mummy. I was only in my 20s, early 20s and he drove me to Sydney from Newcastle to my mother and I remember I fell in the door and um, mum said, I'll take her up to Penrith Hospital and Graham took me up there and they gave me a couple of shots of penicillin, they said "This is." bit of um infection there so i went home and the next morning my throat was really swelling up in my tongue and he took me into a medical center in sydney and they gave me a couple more uh, shots of penicillin but i was dying and um, the doctor there said take it to sydney hospital straight away so I went to Sydney Hospital and I'll never forget how sick I was. I was vomiting and I could hardly breathe. But anyway, they put me into intensive care and I was on life support for a whole week and they sent messages home to my family that I would not live, that I would die. And um, I just, uh, I don't even remember it because I was on this life support. When I woke up and the doctor said to me, you have an allergy to penicillin and that's ah. what they were doing, pumping pellets on into me, oh, and it nearly killed me. But you know, that scripture, and I still stand on that scripture, I will preserve you and keep you safe because you trust in me. Not only that, I went on, I had my daughter, I went on, and then Graham had an accident, and he fell 40 feet off a pole. We went to New Zealand, we were going to move there and live, we come home and he fell, and he broke his hip and the doctor said he wouldn't live, they thought his um pancreas was shattered but it was actually his spleen that was done so he's had five hip replacements and um, i nursed him at home they said that i keep him there all the church people come and pray i nursed him at home for quite a few months but we went then moved there from sydney because all my family was in sydney while we there we started going to a church and it was an apostolic church, and it was really good. There was only 14 people when we started. By the time we finished in a couple of years, there was, what, nearly up to 500 people in that church. God had really grown that church. But the pastor, he went nuts. He started dictating to the people in the church. He would say, excuse me, have you paid your tithes? You come out the front. And then if you prayed too long, he'd put his hand on your shoulder. Come down and tell you to stop. It was just getting to the point. Graham and I were elders in the church, and um, we, um, <clears throat> my brother was um, moving away to to another place, and uh, he went and he wanted us to go for this farewell. He was going to Orange to minister, and the pastor said, "No, my elders don't go anywhere. You will stay here where you're told." So we stayed, and my brother went off and ran around the oval and dropped dead. I was 43 and I'd never seen him after that and you know we so we went through this thing at the, at the at this church I was the um the preschool director and Graham was the administrator and um, we said to Graham I said to Graham one day I just can't stay here anymore under the control of this man and uh, Graham and I decided we prayed that we would leave, so we made a meeting with him, and we went into the church. And I haven't shared this with a lot of people. And we went into the building, and he said to me, "We said we're leaving the church." He said, "Really? I'm going to tell you, you two are Ananias and Sapphira. Your marriage will break up. Your children will be juvenile delinquents." Yeah. He said, "And you will never succeed if you leave this church." Yeah. We were shattered. I don't know if you know about Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah. were people in the bible that died but we walked out of that church we were shattered and we moved to orange but in that time from that time we were cursed we went one church after another we wandered in the wilderness like the children of israel and then we didn't know what to do we didn't trust anybody again we weren't going to trust a pastor again that was going to tell us what to do don't go to see your brother you know and you're this that and we've had prayer and uh, and, um, god has brought us through victoriously but the years that had gone through, you know, it was hell upon earth. We even tried to pastor a church in, in Carroll when we first moved and it started to, to blossom, but we couldn't do it. We were too shattered from what had happened. But, you know, we moved to Newcastle and we started to go to a, a four-square church and the people there embraced us. They looked after us. And, you know, God really started to restore us. And I really believe that the restoration power of God is a true testament of where i am today god doesn't leave us out he restored us he brought us back to himself and we started preaching again there we started sharing the word we started leading bible studies and that and my mum got cancer in naranda and we moved back to naranda but i moved back here in 2016 but You know, the word today I want to say is the restoration power of God is real. And the other day when we were at the the conference, it was just such a word to me, this Krista, who was a very good speaker, and she talked about Lazarus dying. And, you know, it was so uh, resonated with my heart. She said, do you know, they they came, Jesus came four days after he was dead. And um, they said, if you would have been here. Jesus wouldn't, You would have been able to cede it to, to Lazarus. But you know what this girl was saying, <coughs> dead is dead is dead. And no matter how dead, dead, dead is, Jesus can bring you alive. Mm-hmm. And I thought about this with this re- restoration of God <coughs> in our lives. We were dead, dead, dead. But God restored us back to himself. And God can restore any of us no matter what's happened in the past. God doesn't remember the past. Why do we come back to him? You know, I just got involved in Aboriginal (coughs) affairs. I got involved in studying. I've got nine degrees. I studied. I just kept studying and studying and studying. My life was full of study. Graham was out singing. He's a singer and entertainer. He's in the clubs and pubs. Here I was, dedicating my life to Aboriginal affairs, dedicating my life to these um, universities. And you know what? God says to me, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Christ is my identity today. He's restored me back to where he is. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with study. I'm still doing a master's and I'm on a PhD. But I'm not saying that is wrong. I'm saying I need to put Christ, the centre of my life, put Christ in there. And that's what the Lord has done. And I know that he will continue to uh, restore us as we um, move in him and um, there you know as he did with David and, he, and now he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. and even though I walk through the valley of the shadow death I'll oh, fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff will comfort me and I know that God will continue to lead us and guide us and he's led us here to this church he's led us to this body and we will continue to stay here because this is where God has planted us now and things will happen but Um, he said, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows, and there was a lovely, um, message there at the conference too about the oil and this guy and I know he was funny but he was talking about chips and food how dry it is without oil and he said you know once you put that oil on it and when you go to Maccas you can smell the oil with the chips you know and it was just lovely how you could smell it you know and I just think about that with God you know he anoints us with his oil and he just really does Do a wonderful job with us, with his oil, doesn't he? And our cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy, will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Where will I dwell? In the body of Christ. And this guy that was um, preaching the other day, he was saying, you know, Australia is in trouble. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Australia Mm -hmm. is in trouble. And that message hit me like a ton of bricks. Australia is in trouble. He said, look at the sexuality, look at the legislation, look at the way I, on TV, even though I heard him say that on the TV the night before it was talking about Victoria and you're not allowed to be gender specific. You're not allowed to say mum, you're not allowed to say dad. You're not allowed to say brother or sister. You've got to say... Parents, you've got to say siblings. Our country is in trouble, he said. And the only way that our trouble our country is going to get out of trouble is through the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And you know, I listened to that message and I know there are things that people say about the people in the church, but I'm going to tell you now that this is God's house, and the Lord says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. And it is the body of Christ, it's us. We are the body of Christ, we are the ones that are going to make a difference in this community, in this town, in this country. And we, as the body of Christ, need to rise up and take our place and stand up. We are the ministers. This is restoration, you know. There was a song I was singing at the conference the other day. I can't think of all the words, but it says that whatever God said to you, whatever years it was, he can do it now. And those words that God gave me about... Uh, new guinea those words i'll I'll preserve you and he has preserved me but i stand upon your feet because i've uh, called you to be a minister and a witness and that's for each one of us in the church we are called to be ministers and witnesses and it is the body of christ so let's not talk about the things that we don't agree with there are some things that we don't agree with but let's be positive and know that christ is going to build his church And the gates of hell, it's not going to stand against it. And we as Christians really need to support our local church. We need to support all of them no matter where it is, whether it's at or wherever you go to church let's support the local church and I really believe in my heart that God is going to do a wonderful work here at Coolerman. I know that this place is going to expand and I believe that God's going to raise people up and that we are going to prepare ourselves for a mighty, mighty miracle and I was saying to Annette the other day about this thing that was in Victoria and she said that's why we need Christian schools and I I really believe that God's going to lead us into places where we get money our people are going to get money God is going to supply our needs God wants us to um, raise up businesses where we've got money to feed into the church so as we've got Christian preschools we've got Christian schools we've got Christian hospitals we've got Christians everywhere that are going to infiltrate this community we need it I know they've got a Christian school at Wagga but cheers we need one in this area and we need Christian places that are going to minister to people that are drug addicts and people that are are, are downtrodden Mm -hmm. we need this in our church and in the body of Christ and we as people we really need to be praying and seeking God because God has restored us. God's given to us. But, you know, in the end, it's our relationship with God, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's our relationship. And I'm sure the Lord's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And he will for each one of us. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, And if there's anybody that needs any prayer or anything, I'm sure that... um, and it'll come or I can pray or Robin's there